Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, along with Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, and uh, Alan Steinberg on this historic day, a day after Donald J. Trump becomes the 45th president of the United States of America. And uh, I can honestly say uh, I'm shocked, but uh, it's... the the country will be fine, all will be good, and it's going to be, I think, a very interesting first hundred days. But uh, let's talk to the guys who, who know what's going to happen. Let's start with uh, Mr. Jackson. Thomas, what happened last I, night? What happened last night is that we were all caught completely unawares. Well, I, I, I want to say that uh, – Selena Zito, uh, 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 Vito, who I'm sorry, uh, who, who writes for, wrote for the uh, Pittsburgh newspaper and then recently moved to the New York Post. She had it figured out. She knew what was going on. Selena Zito was writing from the back roads of uh, of Ohio and Pennsylvania mm-hmm. these past several months, and she really did tap into uh, what was going on on the ground in those two states, which proved to be extremely pivotal, extremely important, and uh, and representative, in fact, of the entire Rust Belt, which uh, I am sure the Clinton com- campaign was counting on being the usual uh, blue wall for, for a Democrat uh, presidential uh, candidate. They, they were fed up, and, and Selena's writing, they were fed up with Everything that was coming out of Washington, trade policy and economic policy uh, and and giving uh, religious freedom short shrift. And they were they were stewing. I mean, I, I remember a piece that she wrote. It was it was riveting after the uh, after the first debate where I think consensus among those of us who think we know what was going on was that Trump did pretty well for about the first third. Uh, began to melt in the second third and was absolutely falling apart when it was all over and clearly lost it and was the first of three debates that he lost. She was she watched the, she watched what was going on in a bar in, uh, in in Western Pennsylvania and every last person in there said that's the guy we want. He's going to stick up for us. So I, I think this was this was a, a a significant rebellion of the overlooked class and that hidden. That hidden Trump voter that we all dismissed and snickered at was was real and was there. Uh, Joe Henderson has a has a wonderful piece uh, at St. Peter's blog today about exactly. I mean, because my my friend Joe is a proud son of the Midwest, and I don't want to stomp on 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 his ability to talk about what he wrote, but he's got it right. He figured out that the people in the Midwest had had enough. Well, Tom, I think by the way that just for the newspaper she wrote for uh, prior to going to New York was the Tribune Review, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, with that wonderful uh, entree, let's go to Joe Henderson. Well, uh, thanks, Tom. I appreciate the kind words. Um, I'll and, be the piece. Well, I appreciate it. Um, he, Tom is correct. Uh, I've, I've lived in Florida for over 40 years. Um, but I am a proud son of the Midwest and the son of a factory worker and 
uh, in a two-income home before it was fashionable. And when uh, my senior year in high school, which was 1969, uh, that was right around the time uh, the factory that my father worked at for in our little small town, he'd worked at that factory my entire life and for probably 30 years. And it up and closed and moved south in search of a, uh, a less expensive labor force. And he was a man that was practically 60 years old, worked all his life, thought he could go out. And I could still remember him saying, well, I'll get another job. And he couldn't. And it imposed significant uh, financial hardship on our family. And what Donald Trump managed to tap into was that that hasn't changed. What happened in 69 is still true today on a much wider scale. And, you know, he says, I'm going to bring the industry back. I'm going to bring the manufacturing jobs back. I don't see how he's going to do that. And I do think that the people who backed him, I love them to death, man. They're, they're my people, but they, they're going to be in for a surprise when he doesn't do a lot of what he said he was going to do because he can't, there are limitations, believe it or not, to the power of the presidency. He can, on the issue of bringing jobs back here, um, I don't see you know, those jobs are gone. Pittsburgh's not going to suddenly become a steel town again. Uh, there's there's not going to be a, a sudden demand for or a spike in the need for coal. Uh, I wish there was, but you know the good what what uh, I guess turned the election was the way all of those people they were a lot of them were traditional Democrats back in the day now. The Midwest has, has become, you know, a lot more uh, uh, Republican since then. But uh, in Ohio, particularly, it's kind of a melting pot and it's a union state and it's a lot mm -hmm. of other things. And they finally just said, you know what? Uh, I don't care if the pundits think Hillary Clinton is more competent. She ain't talking to us. He is. So I'm voting for Trump. And that's what happened. Well, you know, Alan... Steinberg is with us here. Alan and I grew up in an area uh, in, you know, Joe's talking about Pittsburgh. Alan and I grew up, my, my uh, grandfather was a coal miner in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, actually my mother still lives in Western Pennsylvania. And I'll turn it over to Alan here in a second. Uh, Allegheny County, which is, um, or Fayette County, I'm sorry, is where they, my mom has a house now. It's one of the poorest counties in the United States, and um, it had always been a Democratic county. But uh, this time around, there, there was a significant amount of Trump voters. And Alan, you know what Joe said about the factories um, in in the Cincinnati area? Uh, we know for a fact uh, that kind of stuff in where we grew up in, in Western Pennsylvania, just like Joe, uh, it isn't coming back, but you, you can't tell the people there because they just won't believe you. Well, let me comment. Uh, there were three states that Hillary Clinton lost last night. If she had won these three states, she would be the president today. The three states were Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. She didn't have to win Ohio. In fact, I never thought Ohio was in the cards for her. 
But in terms of Pennsylvania, what you say is accurate. I grew up in a town called New Kensington. Right. It was 18 miles outside of Pittsburgh. It was the headquarters of Alcoa Aluminum until 1959 when Alcoa moved to Alcoa, Tennessee. And then eventually uh, aluminum was manufactured abroad. But when I was growing up, manufacturing jobs were the great jobs, paid great benefits, great salaries, the best. And those jobs are no longer there. And if you go to Western Pennsylvania, you go to Aliquippa Ambridge, where my cousins live, you go up and down, you see boarded up factories, you see boarded up downtowns. And it isn't going to come back, these jobs. They're not coming back, but people want to believe that. So uh, Trump was selling them a false nostrum. Now, in terms of Michigan, I think, unfortunately, there, what happened was that had he gotten the same, had uh, Hillary Clinton gotten the same African-American turnout, and this is true also in Wisconsin and Milwaukee, that Barack Obama got, she would have uh, won the election. And uh, whatever vote came out was very heavy in favor of her. I mean, you know, Trump got something like less than 5% of that vote. But it didn't come out in the same amount. Now, there's one thing that we can learn from this election. I believe in GOTV, get out the vote, but it doesn't matter in a presidential year. In a presidential year, what gets a voter to come out is a compelling message. And uh, I supported Hillary. I'm proud I did. But I don't, I think she was so caught up on a defense that she never really got off a compelling centrist Democratic message. And I don't think until late in the campaign when Obama came in that uh, they were able to get a compelling message to the African-American community. That was really the reason for the loss in uh, Wayne County, uh, Michigan, where Detroit is, and also Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Do, um, what do we do now? I mean, we have a situation, guys. Um, I'm going to throw this one to, to Alan and to Tom. Uh, the Republican Party is has got, you know, it's all. It's kind of like be careful what you wish for. You did get. You did get. Now the presidency. You've got the Senate and you've got the House of Representatives. But uh, Donald Trump is a wild card, and he's not necessarily someone that um, you know plays by the normal rules and so i'm curious to find out what you guys think by the way just it just came over the wire that um that mitch mcconnell uh has said that the first week of uh, the trump administration they will repeal uh, uh the obamacare legislation so if you want to comment well, on i that think too. that i i think that uh donald trump is a wild card uh, he's used to command and control, and he can't do that with the House of Representatives and the Senate. I don't think repealing Obamacare is going to be so easy when these folks start getting letters from their constituents that, hey, I was able to uh, get a, uh, re- remove the bar against pre-existing conditions. Uh, so it's not going to be easy to do that overnight. Uh, there are a lot of bad features of Obamacare. I was very critical of the act, but it's not so easy. The problem is that uh, the Republicans are likely to keep the Senate in 2018 because uh, the overwhelming number of seats that are up that year are Democratic, Democratic incumbents. However, each party has serious divides. The Republican Party has a three-way divide between the alt-right, the Tea Party, and the center-right mainstream. The Democrats have a terrible divide between their center-left, which is uh, the Clintons or the establishment of that, 
and uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders uh, wing. So I see a lot of discord in both political parties over the next two years. But I'll bet one thing. Uh, the idea that uh, Donald Trump is going to build this great wall, uh, forget it. It's not going to happen. Tommy, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I think we will learn more in the coming couple of three weeks. I think that uh, uh, Trump has a meeting real soon in, in a day or two with uh, with Paul Ryan, and that is far and above, far and away more important than any meeting that he's going to have with President Obama, which I guess is set for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if those two can begin to find some common ground, and I think. That, that Ryan began to do that by barnstorming uh, Wisconsin and helping to, to, uh, and helping deliver Wisconsin to Trump uh, during the final weeks of the campaign. Um, I, I think that there's probably some goodwill that has been established there, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the guy we saw last night, who was generous and gracious and conciliatory and had an opportunity uh, because because Hillary Clinton had not publicly conceded the race to, to throw a little snark her way and did not do that. I'm hoping that we saw the first glimpse of, of the president that, that Trump is capable of being. I mean, I, uh, Donnie Deutsch was on, was on uh, Morning Joe today talking about the guy in the campaign was nowhere close to the Donald Trump that he had known over the years. That, that the Trump he knew was was a was basically a good guy, and that he kept hoping, and that the the guy in the campaign was as we as most of us saw, um, those of us who think we we knew something anyway, uh, was a reprehensible guy and couldn't possibly support him. And Deutsch himself was saying, "I'm hoping that the the Trump that he knew back in the day is who will reemerge." And if that is the case. And, and Trump wants more than anything just to be uh, the, the, the uh, contractor-in-chief and go around the country wearing a yellow hard hat overseeing and inspecting uh, uh, infrastructure projects. I mean, this could be a big surprise. I mean, this, could, this could be somebody who actually wins the, wins the affection of the American people if he does that. Joe, you think it's going to happen? Chance of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Tom. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Joe, Joe, I, tell me, I, tell me, I'm having uh, exercising wishful thinking, and I will not disagree. I think you're exercising wishful thinking. Um, I'm not going to disagree. <laughs> here's what here's what concerns me most about a Trump presidency. Uh, you know, his policies are are loose enough anyway, but we've we've kind of got an idea what he wants to do. We've known Republicans. Uh, just loathe the paper that Obamacare was printed on. I get it. So they're, you know, they're going to, there are going to be changes there. Fine. The American people spoke. That's what they want. So, mm-hmm. so be it. And, and all of that. But what bothers me the most is, uh, or, or makes me wary the most is who's he going to choose for his cabinet and who's going to be his closest lieutenants. Because the people I saw paraded out there were overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly male, and overwhelmingly crazy. And I'm talking about you, Rudy Giuliani, and you know uh, Newt Gingrich and all the rest. These people may be major players in 
uh, a Trump administration, probably will be. And so that adds a degree of volatility to this that I, I'm not even going to attempt to measure uh, you know, what two years from now is going to look like. Uh, Alan, I know you said it's, it's stacked against Democrats as far as uh, the Senate uh, two years from now, and it may well be, but then Donald Trump, you know, if you'd, if you'd bet me two weeks ago, is he going to be president? I would have, I would have uh, lost a lot of money to you. So I'm not even going to two years from now, that's an eternity with this, with this mix that, uh, that is being concocted right now. That's going to take over Washington. Um, you know, people love it today and I'm not rooting for Donald Trump to fail. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, I want what's best for the country. Um, and if, if he's, if he can deliver and people are happy with it, so be it. But, uh, you know, fortunes can rise and fall pretty quickly in politics. And, uh, you know, so let's, let's see how he plays this out. But I am uh, more skeptical about, about the team he's going to put together than I actually am skeptical about the man. And I'm plenty skeptical about the man. Alan, you know Governor Christie and um, and Rudy Giuliani. Are they cabinet-level um, people in your mind? Well, I don't, uh, I don't personally know Giuliani. I know Chris Christie, unfortunately, very well. <laughs> okay. And that is a big uh, – okay. Now, Giuliani, uh, I came to really uh, despise him during his campaign. Uh, he just I, – I, I believe he's a guy who hated Hillary Clinton because – she won the Senate seat that he wanted, but he couldn't run for it because he had prostate cancer. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and I think he was vindictive and vengeful, but he could probably get confirmed pretty easily as attorney general. Chris Christie's got a problem because in the Bridgegate trial, jurors were interviewed and they said he should have been on trial. So if Trump tries to pick him for a high position that uh, entails an ethics investigation, like Homeland Security chief or attorney general or whatever, the press is going to have a ball writing about this, and there will be a feeding frenzy. So I've got a feeling that he may not put Christie up for a position requiring Senate confirmation. I don't say that for certain, because Trump sometimes doesn't give a damn about those things. But I do think there's a high possibility that Reince Priebus will leave the RNC and become Trump's chief of staff and that Christie will become the new chair of the Republican National Committee. That would be an interesting twist. Tom, um, are you comfortable with uh, what we're now having our little um, <coughs> little question about our cabinet here? Are you comfortable with a kitchen cabinet we put together here with, um, with an AG of Rudy Giuliani and, um, and uh, possibly Newt Gingrich as a um, Secretary of State? Well, I don't know that I would plug those guys into those positions necessarily, but I, 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 I first of all think that campaigns uh, that, that Newt and, and, and Rudy certainly fed off the fever that, that Trump generated during this campaign, and I think that that might well have, uh, have contributed to their level of of, of mania, um, especially during the final final month or so of the campaign, um, 
in their in their normal in their normal habitat and their normal thinking, I, I think that that Newt Gingrich remains a, a brilliant political thinker. I think that Rudy is. I think that his heart is very much in the in the right place. If we can establish that his brain is still functioning properly, because he was he was really off the rails quite a bit uh, in, in, in the final several weeks of the campaign. Um, but I, I think Mnuchin has has as uh, the guy from Wall Street as Treasury Secretary has gotten an awful lot of praise. Uh, uh, I, I think that I would I would love to see um, um, John Bolton. Um, resurrected as a potential advisor or cabinet member, I think that he's been right on what's been going on in the Middle East and with uh, and with Russia for for the past several years. I think he's he's never been wrong on what's what's going on uh, vis-a-vis our our rivals and adversaries uh, abroad. Um, so I, I mean, it, what, what's going to be interesting is to see how much leeway the Senate gives him. Uh, Harry Reid has certainly established a low bar. He will, Trump will have to get only 50 votes, and then his vice president's vote to get anybody confirmed. I mean, uh, Reid has seen to it that the, that the filibuster no longer applies. So Republicans, with their narrow majority in the Senate, will be able, be able to lose uh, one or two and uh, and still go ahead with with who Trump wants. And by and large, new presidents should get who they want. Um, and I, I I'm pretty comfortable with the people who've been around him. I, 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 I agree with Alan um, that uh, that uh, Christie has damaged goods, but boy, he's been a loyal servant uh, carrying around his shoeshine box on, on, uh, on Trump's behalf. So, and he, and he's a, he's a heck of a money raiser. So I, I, I hadn't heard, I had not heard before the, uh, the scenario where he winds up at the head of the uh, RNC that's pretty fascinating to me. I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not discouraged about what lies ahead. Um, I could probably live with most of those guys. Well, you know, you both of you guys have said one thing that Joe and I are going to jump on for just a moment, <laughs> and that is they're all old white guys. Okay. Is there not a woman or a person of color or someone who is Hispanic? That you would put in the cabinet of, of well, I'll tell you who he's going to put in. Line. Come on, yeah, Ben Carson will get a he'll get a pick maybe uh, for uh, you know a cabinet. Where's my Where's my mute here. button? I got to get to my mute button quick. When you start talking, Ben Carson, I got to get to my mute button. Hold on. Well, <laughs> you wanted a person of color. Now you're going to decide which persons of color we can rely on. I mean, I want a person a of color who doesn't who doesn't think that that persons of color aren't as good as him. Well, I'm he's not making a case for Ben Carson. I'm not no. advocating for him. I'm saying that he's the, he's the guy that uh, I think Trump will appoint. I mean, if, uh, Trump does not have great relationships with African-Americans throughout America, despite what he says. Okay, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, Joe, want, help me, Don help King. me here. You, you, you want Don King in the in the cabinet? Come on. I, I'll tell you what. I would rather have Don King in the cabinet than I would Ben Carson. You want Mike? What about Mike Tyson? I I gotta I gotta defend Jim on this one. Uh, you know, he is Ben Carson. He may be the nicest guy on the planet, and he may be a fine surgeon, but when it came to presidential politics. 
he was Chauncey Gardner. And if you don't know that pop reference, look it up. And <laughs> please do, please. God, he liked to great. watch. He and liked to watch. And, yes, yeah, he he liked to watch. And <laughs> it was so if 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 he is in, if he's the best you got, and he's not, then I would say that um, the Trump administration will soon be relegated to a blip in time. And, um, you know, whatever that means for down the road, because he's got a Donald Trump offended nearly every group out there except white males. And. And even he managed to offend some of them and still got elected. So good on him. But, you know, it's a lot different governing than it is running. And. He's got to begin to rebuild that the all those splinters that that you know he cast aside. Now the other thing that that is a concern here, and uh, feel free to disagree with me on this, but I'm also concerned about you know the the people who voted for Trump saying okay when when do you start the wall? January 21st, right? When do you start building it? And and when when do you prosecute Hillary, Attorney General Giuliani? And when is she going to jail? When are you going to do all those things you said you were going to do? He ain't going to do any of them. Guess what? It, it's not going to happen. And then so now there's going to be some resentment there uh, by the alt right and people like that who uh, who helped fuel this thing. So he's made it this far, and it's one of the more fascinating stories in, in American political history, but uh, he, he got here on, on, on a loan of good faith from people who, who want action. And if they don't get it, they're going to be collecting. Well, here you are on the Politically Incorrect podcast. Um, question to, uh, to Tom and to Alan. Uh, if you guys, let's forget for the moment the inner circle of, of Trump land. It, could you see, and if so, please name them, a uh, a woman and a, or a minority or a Democrat that could be in the Trump cabinet that you two would uh, be very approving of? A woman, a minority, uh, or a Democrat? No, any, uh, uh, or th- or all, all three. three at once. <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> I can't think of anybody to tell you, to tell you the truth. Joe, you uh, want to yeah. order out while we're waiting for these yeah, guys? I think I mean, so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, I never thought fantasy. of the question. I'm gonna check my fantasy yeah. football lineup while you guys deal with this. Okay. Anybody? I mean, come on. You can, there's well, there's got to uh, be a, a woman in the okay. in the Republican Party Meg, or the Democratic Meg Party Whitman. or a man. Meg Whitman. I'll give you. You know, right. Kelly Ayotte. Kelly Ayotte is likely to be out of the Senate. I would I I would find something for her to do. Okay. I would definitely That's recruit fair. her and and bring her. But on I don't board. think that'll happen. I don't think oh, that'll no, happen. I, I, a lot of I don't either because because she. 
she kept she kept her distance. Um, well, they're going to have to find a role for Kellyanne Conway. I think yeah. Kellyanne Conway is going to stay out there in the private sector because she has a few book deals coming on. She'll get fees as a consultant that are unbelievable. Uh, the one battle, by the way, there's going to be a battle within Trump land. Uh, Corey Lewandowski never left the scene. And he's very anti-political consultants, uh, you know, uh, press secretaries, all the rest. And he's going to be back in play. And uh, I think you're going to see a continued internal battle between uh, him and uh, some of the political gurus and ad people Donald Trump may consult. I heard inside baseball, but it's a factor. I heard that Corey was going to get the – if Reince took the job as as – you know, his his chief of chief staff, staff that Corey was going to get the RNC job. Well, that's the rumor, but I think it's more likely to go to Chris Christie. That could they be right. they got to find something for him. That, and yeah, they no. find something for him with him that doesn't require confirmation. Well, he could serve as a senior advisor and, or something like that. No, he won't. Uh, he won't be satisfied with that. The other thing with Christie is, uh, some of it now he has put a few of his people in place. One of the people you're going to see in the cabinet, I believe, is Bob Grady. He uh, formerly was in the Kane administration in New Jersey. He's close to Christie and Bill Palatucci, who is the executive running the transition team for him. And you may see Rich Bagger also, who was Christie's chief of staff. Uh, you may see him over at the uh, Health and Human Services. I happen to like Rich Bagger. He's one of the few people around Chris Christie that I like. Uh, but uh, Christie is having something of a role in terms of placing people, but he has a hard time placing himself because of Bridgegate. Let's uh, let's go with um, uh, let's go with one more thing, and that is, how big of a role do you think that Mike Pence is going to play in this administration? Joe, I'll let you start with that one. Well. I normally vice presidents are are not seen and not heard and they show up at ribbon cuttings but um I think Donald Trump really needs Mike Pence and the expertise that he will bring to the table from his uh, previous time in in Washington he's he's, he's a governor uh he's you know he he knows the ins and outs um of the art of the deal, if you will, uh, in in uh, in Washington, that's that's a skill you gotta have. So, I um, I think Mike Pence is going to be the guy who who, when Trump says, "Okay, I want to do this," Mike Pence is going to be the guy telling him, "Okay, this is how you this is how you do it." I'll go down, and uh, I will talk to uh, Mitch McConnell and. Uh, be your go-between, and we'll we'll see if we can get this done. Uh, so I think he's going to have a, a vital role for soon-to-be President Trump. Oh, Jim, we well, lost I, him. I, Joe, I I think that that is very close to being exactly on the money. I, I think that uh, that Trump is going to need friends on Capitol Hill. Mike Pence, once upon a time, 
was the the, the organizer of the uh, conservative conservative study group, or, or I think that's the name of it. He was he was Tea Party before there was a Tea Party, and he certainly the Republican study group, I guess it was, and um, that was that was the the right wing at a time uh, during the um, uh, during the early 2000s. Uh, when when the conservative movement was really getting started on uh, coming up with ideas of, of of ways to to solve age old problems that confronted the country, um, so he has he has relationships that are established and long term, and he's also got some executive experience now that, that he's been a governor for uh, of Indiana for a while. So your your take on it, and I, and I get the impression that having been a CEO that Trump is going to be a guy who wants to delegate. I mean, that was, that was essentially the deal that they were rumored to be offering Kasich is, is come be the guy, come be, the, come be the chief operating officer. And, and the Donald will be the guy who is, who is giving marching orders and you carry out the policy. He'd be the I, front I man. Be at all shocked. I wouldn't yeah. be at all shocked that, uh, that Pence fills that role as well. Speaking of uh, John Kasich, um, not a good uh, 24 hours for the governor of Ohio. First off, he uh, he doesn't get on board the Trump train. Trump wins Ohio fairly handily, and now he's going to be on the outside looking in um, as far as any uh, future real ambitions go in the Republican Party. So I think he was a man of principle and did what he thought was right, but uh, – he uh, probably woke up this morning going, okay, what kind of price am I going to pay? And I think it's going to be pretty steep. Yeah, going, and, back and to Pence, Pence, going back to Pence, I think that he will definitely be the administration uh, legislative liaison. And it's possible that he will be a chief operating officer. But uh, Donald delegates, but I don't know how much he's going to want to delegate on matters of state. It's going to be a little different, I think. Well, here on the you know, Politically you, Incorrect podcast, can, where Joe Henderson, Alan Steinberg, and Tom Jackson, who I just cut off, and we'll let him speak in just a second, uh, as we talk about uh, the Donald Trump administration. And now uh, speaking, someone who I'm sure will be in that administration, Tom Jackson. Go ahead, John. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be... Sub-Deputy Chief of Staff to uh, returning Senator Marco Rubio. I haven't, he- haven't heard that. Um, oh, okay. Congratulations. I um, I guess the, John Kasich uh, was supposed to speak to, um, to some group on Thursday about the future of the Republican Party in the uh, presumed post-Trump era. Um, and uh, that has had to be canceled. Uh, there's a, a story from Cincinnati.com on that on that very thing right now online. He was going to be talking to the American Enterprise Institute, uh, a uh, free enterprise think tank in Washington D.C., and uh, he was apparently starting to roll out his next run for the presidency, talking about his vision for the GOP moving forward. And at this point. We are all having to reconsider the GOPs. Uh, I mean, I, I was talking big about what was going to happen with the GOP. There was going to be a, a melding of libertarians and conservatives, conservatarians moving forward, and they were going to be more along the lines of a David Jolly, who uh, the, the 
congressman who lost his seat narrowly to to Charlie Crist uh, on election night. Uh, we're all having to rethink this, and, and John Kasich is among them. Let me ask you guys one final question here, uh, and that has to do with there are a lot of people today, and I was out and amongst them, and they're people of color. And they're afraid. They are genuinely afraid of what's going to happen, you know, going forward. I um, had an occasion to, to go downtown. I was with an Uber driver who is a Muslim, and he's asking me, what do you think is going to happen? Do I need to go out and do I need to learn to to carry a gun? And I, I mean, you know, the last person to ask is me. I mean, I, I haven't shot a gun since I was 14 years old. I broke my shoulder. Then. So, um, but there are people who have legitimate concerns as a party, as the Republican Party. What? How do you handle the concerns of these people who have who now are looking at a guy who is president who has said we're coming after you? Well, I had an experience today. I teach at St. Peter's uh, University in Jersey City, and it's a Jesuit university, and most of my students are inner-city minorities, uh, Hispanic, African-Americans, and Mm -hmm. I opened the class for election discussion, and I heard some of the most fervent anxieties expressed, uh, both in terms of their minority status and also in terms of the women in the class, very furious about what Trump had said on that tape about uh, sexual assault. So he's going to have to make the extra effort. If he wants to be the president of all the people, he's going to have to meet with African-American leaders. He's going to have to visit the inner cities. He's going to have to reach out to uh, leaders of various women's organizations. And it's not going to be easy. He doesn't have the kind of temperament that lends itself to that, but he's going to have to do it. Otherwise, the divisiveness in America is going to continue. Tom, your thoughts? Or Joe? I I, 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 I... Jim, I don't, I don't disagree with Alan on that. That there's going to have to be an effort made by the president and by by the by the incoming president and by Republicans in general who are in, in elective office to uh, to quell those fears. Now, those I, I think those fears are are characterization are, are caricatures of actual positions that uh, the Trump took. I mean, the the those, the ones that if he's going after anybody. The, the ones he's allegedly going after are people who are, are not in the country legally and are might otherwise be breaking the law. He's, he's the law and order guy. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that this comes out that, that if you are a good, solid citizen and, a, and, and are here legally, that you don't have anything to, to fear from a, uh, from, from a Trump presidency. But again, the burden is on him I mean, because the perception is is currently reality. The burden is on him to demonstrate that he meant what he was saying in very narrow terms, and not in blanket terms, which is which is right, which is I guess correctly upsetting the potential targets of of that of that anger. I tell you, with me, the biggest one of the, one of the bigger concerns that I've got about Trump. As, as you know, among many, is his uh, attention span for this job. 
because as he gets in there and as as we all know that's that that's a you know a, a 19 20 hour a day job 7 days a week and you know the the variety of things that comes across uh, a president's desk is just it comes with lightning speed and requires a depth of knowledge and curiosity that Mr. Trump has thus far not exhibited and simplistic solutions uh, have a way of blowing up in your face in a, in a big hurry. Uh, and he was elected commander in chief, not cowboy in chief. So, uh, you know, how he adapts to this, to these uh, policy briefings that he's going to need to stay awake for uh, is, is going to tell tell us everything. Maybe he'll get so fascinated with his job and so energized by it that he'll just devour it, you know. And and I hope he does. But until there is evidence of that, I'm going to be skeptical. Okay. Tell you what, let's um, let's do last call and give your social media information. Uh, Alan Steinberg. Last call on uh, Donald Trump, the president uh, elect. Your final thoughts on what what you're going to be looking for over the next few weeks or so, of the week or so. Uh, I have a special issue because of my involvement with Israel. Uh, Trump left the impression that he was opposed to the creation of a Palestinian state. If he opposes that, he is going to see a souring of all his relationships in the Arab world. Yet, on the other hand, he got a lot of backing from the ultra-nationalist wing of the uh, Jewish community. So I'm going to be uh, focused on that. Uh, my social media, uh, Twitter is at Steinberg 613 and uh, my Facebook is Alan Joel Steinberg. Thomas, you're up. Well, I think that my last call would be what we already talked about earlier, and that is what's going to come out of that first meeting between Donald Trump and his advisors and Paul Ryan, because if that goes smoothly and and they they begin to talk seriously about the first 100 days of doing tax reform and regulatory reform and and and, and bringing off the shelf of of uh, of one of the think tanks a way to replace Obamacare, then I think that the honeymoon might go pretty well, and and I will be rooting for that because I think that there's an awful lot that can be corrected in a short amount of time with a willing with a willing Congress and a and a population that is eager to see uh, certain policies that have vexed us as a country uh, repealed and replaced. So. That's my that's my last thought on that. I'm I'm just really hopeful for the first hundred days that we'll get some good things to, as far as from a conservative's point of view, uh, some good things to come out of that. My uh, social media would be on Facebook, Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur, and uh, my handle for Twitter is at Thomas Jacks Tampa, T H O M A S J A X Tampa. Joe Henderson. Well, I'm going to be uh, paying close attention um, to uh, what the president-elect 
signal he sends on a Supreme Court justice. And obviously Merrick Garland was the second biggest loser last night uh, in, in the result. Uh, his Any chance he had at serving on the court is now gone. And uh, in addition to repealing Obamacare, um, probably very high up on Donald Trump's to-do list is to uh, send a nominee to uh, the Senate, uh, which presumably will uh, begin to uh, th that process very quickly. And um, there's not much the Democrats can do to block it at this point. So he's going to get what he wants, and it'll be interesting to see if he, if he, uh, what what type of, of, of justice he chooses. Um, that's what I'm going to be watching. And on social media, you can find me at uh, Joe Henderson Commentary Columns and Such on Facebook, or if you want to go to Twitter, you can find me at J Henderson Tampa T A M P A. I think. Um, I'm interested in what Tom is interested in with regard to Obamacare, the replacement. I want to see what they're going to replace it with. I think that'll be a fascinating um, uh, situation to find out. I, I, they've said, I know that Trump has said a lot about um, making sure that the uh, no prior, uh, prior conditions is going to stay part of uh, whatever it is that they put together. So I'll be interested in that. And the last thing that I would like to see, and I'm going to be paying attention to is what is Steve Bannon going to do when he gets back to Breitbart and what, what kind of relationship is the CEO of the campaign and this new um, relationship that he has, this new uh, ability for the leader of the alt-right to be, um, to have total access to the president of the United States, how that, uh, how that little saga plays out. So there's a lot of little melodramas going on here, folks. And uh, the good news is we're here to tell you about it every time. So thanks very much for joining us on this edition of the Politically Incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams, joined, of course, by Alan Steinberg in New York and Tom Jackson in the Tampa-St. Petersburg area, along with the other member of our Bay Area boys, that, of course, would be Joe Henderson. Thank you all for your time today, and thank you all for listening.